Thanks for your prayers. I want you to, if you have a Bible, we're going to read <clears throat> the text today is going to be from, first of all, from, from Romans chapter 5, and then we'll look at chapter 7. Receiving the abundance of grace. We're going to read verse 12 through 21 from chapter 5. Now, before we get into that, <laughs> I want you to know some things about this passage of scripture in Romans. First of all, it sounds really theological. And the reason it sounds theological is because it is. Now, it puts some people off, theology does, but don't let this put you off. Because, bottom line is, if you understand what these verses are teaching you, what, what Paul is saying in these verses, and you receive it, it'll change your life. So that's the bottom line. That's what's going to happen if you see and receive what he says in Romans 5, 12 through 21. It'll change your life. And what he's doing here is he's contrasting the life of Adam with the life, the righteous life, the victorious death and resurrection of Jesus. He's contrasting these two, showing you how they contrast with each other. For example, he says, death reigned through the one, talking about Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come, Jesus. Death reigned through Adam. Life reigns through Jesus. Life and death. It's as important to you to understand this because it's a matter of life and death. Okay? So it's important that you listen. It's important that you pay attention. It's important that you apply yourself uh, to this. Okay, so let's read it. Verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, death and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. For until the law... Sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of Adam's offense, who is a type of him who is to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one the many died, much more did the grace of God, <laughs> much more did the grace of God, and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more, you ought to underline much more, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression there resulted in condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. And the law came in that the transgression might increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, there's a mouthful in that. So let me sum it up for you in, in, in a sentence or two. Mankind gained a whole lot more through Jesus than we lost in Adam. That's what happened. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. We lost life in Adam. 
How, how big a loss is that? That's about as big a loss as you could get. We gained more through Jesus than we lost in Adam. Jesus came that we might have life, but not just life. What kind of life? Abundant life. Zoe life. That's Rick been teaching the last several weeks. Now, I want us to focus on one verse here, and we'll talk about it for a minute. Verse 17. It says, For if by the transgression of the one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Jesus Christ. You like the idea of that? Of reigning in life? Now, this, this life that you reign in is Zoe life. It's not bios life. Bios life. Bios life, the natural life that you have, the interactions you have, the body, the world around you, the way you relate to the world, all those kinds of things are part of your bios, as Rick has already taught you. Zoe is real life. It's eternal life. It's God's life. It's your life. It's spiritual life. It's, it's those kinds of adjectives. That's the kind of life it is. It's the life that governs you. It's the life that leads you. It's the life that holds you, helps you, gives you hope. It's the life that leads you forward to something better. It's the life that changes you, moves you, causes you to think and act and react as you do. And all this, this is what drives. This is the way life. He said you can reign in life through Jesus Christ. Now, here's what religious Christians... I'll say, I'll, I'll just say religious Christians, I, I won't say Pharisees, because some of them aren't. But religious Christians, here's what would happen with this, with this verse, or these verses. They'd say, okay, w w I want to teach you how to reign in life. Okay, I, I know you want to, I think you need to, you should, so I want you to reign in life. All right, here's how to do it. And we're going to have six sermons on this. We're going to have a whole series on this, how to reign in life. Here's first sermon is going to be this, number one. Um, <clears throat> what topic should we cover first, how to get somebody to reign in life? First, well, here's the first, number one. This message is going to be about prayer. You're going to have to increase your prayer life. You're going to have to pray at least for an hour a day or longer. You're going to have to learn to live on your knees. You're going to have to learn to pray and pray and pray without ceasing. And that message will tell you how to do that. Number two, to reign in life. Ooh, you're gonna have to, we'll do one on denying yourself, denying your flesh. Um, and we'll cover that thoroughly on telling you how to deny, how to die to yourself daily. And then number three, to reign in life, uh, if you're going to achieve reigning in life, you're going to have to get a handle on your pocketbook. You're going to have to learn to give. And give till it hurts. Because your pocketbook tells me more about your spiritual life than anything else about you. Your pocketbook. You understand, I'm not saying this from me, right? I'm saying it from the other guy that's going to preach this series, not me. You're, you're acting like, I mean this stuff, and that's what we're going to do. <laughs> what would the fourth one be? 
How to, how to get you to reign in life. You got prayer life. You're trying to please God through, you know, denying your flesh. Uh, you, you've, you're giving. You, you got to find a place to serve. You got to serve. You've got to. Or you're worthless, pretty much. At least you're worthless to me if you're not serving. And just sitting in a chair, a pew, and taking up space. You know? I need workers. I need somebody that's going to help me build this thing into something really important. And there'll be two others, and I, I'll let you fill in the blanks of those. That's harsh, I realize. But it is also deadly. It's deadly. The difference in life and death. Reigning in life, here's where they miss it. We don't reign in life through our performance. We reign in life through our position. We reign in life through who we are and who he's made us to be. That's how we reign in life, Zoe life. That's how we reign. We don't reign through performance. You don't reign in life by being a good doer. You don't reign in life through your performance at all. It doesn't help you. As a matter of fact, it hurts you. It's not good performers who reign in life. It's good receivers who reign in life. Good receivers. You must learn to receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And that's not a one-time event. It's an ongoing lifestyle. An ongoing way of living is living, receiving the abundance of God's grace and the great gift of righteousness that he's given us. Of continuously walking in that, the knowledge of it, the fact of it, the truth of it, and being able to receive it. Be a good receiver. Quit worrying about doing. Out of receiving, you'll be instructed or led or equipped or given passion to do whatever it is God put in your heart to do. It won't be to get favor with God. It'll be because God's favored you with this gift. So be a good receiver. We've, we've been taught how to be good givers. We haven't been taught how to be good receivers. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't impress God for you to resist everything that Jesus died to give you. Be a good receiver. It cost him a lot. Receive it. Open your heart. Open your arms, open your mouths, open your lives to the abundance of grace. Every day, receive it. If you will begin doing that every day of your life, you will begin to see that it's making you happy. It makes you happy. I heard Dennis Prager, he's a talk show host that I listened to the other day. He does a, a thing called Happiness Hour. And he made this statement. He said, gratitude is the mother of happiness. I believe he's right. Now, you cannot receive the great grace of God in its abundance and its love for you and the fact that he's made you righteous and that all of the stuff he's done for you, you can't think about that without gratitude. That gratitude makes you happy. It makes you feel secure. You must receive the abundance of grace. And also the gift of righteousness. I'm not teaching on that this morning, but I certainly have many times, and the rest of the guys have, and we all will again in the future. But receive the fact that you're righteous. You're in right standing with God. And that's, not, that's a God-performed act. It's not a you-performed act. God did it. 
God made you in right standing with him. Receive it. It's the truth about you. There is not one single thing that you will ever do in your life to make you less righteous than you are right now. You are righteous, period. No degrees. You're in right standing with God. You're in union with God. Yay. So, receive the gift, the, the, the abundance of grace, and receive the gift of righteousness. You'll reign in life through Christ. His grace is abundant. You know that, right? There's an abundance of it. An abundance. Matter of fact, it's the most abundant commodity in the universe. Grace. How do I know that? And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Truth means real or reality. The reality is that God is full of grace. If God is full of anything, folks, then there's a lot of it because he's really, really big. He's really big. He's full of grace, folks. He's more full of grace than you believe he is. He's more full of grace than I believe he is. He's more full of grace than I have the capacity to believe that he is. That's who he is. Receive the abundance of grace. And receive the gift of righteousness. Now it's sad that religion has taught us that the only way to get it is to earn it. That's sad. So we spend our lives trying to earn God's favor, trying to be a good boy or a good girl in order for get, to get God to like us and all of that kind of stuff when the Lord wants you to receive his grace and come to rest and make you happy. Happy people act better than unhappy people. Don't they? You act better when you're happy than you do when you're not. Now you can fake it for a little while, but you know, sometime or other, it's going to wear off and you're back to square one. Okay. Romans 6.14 says, Sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law but under grace. You don't reign in life through law keeping. You reign in life through receiving the abundance of grace. Galatians 5.4 says, You who would be justified by law have fallen from grace. If you go back to law and law keeping to please God, you've fallen for grace. It's of no practical, no practical benefit to you at all. So receive the great abundance of grace. Now, here's a question this brings up. Talking about Adam, talking about Jesus. I believe Jesus, what he did was much more effective than what Adam did. <laughs> much more effective than what Adam did. And what Adam did infected the whole human race. So that's pretty effective what he did. What Jesus did was better and bigger. And I'll let you think about that on your own and take it to some logical conclusions if you'd like to. Now here's an important question. What about the law? Are Christians under the jurisdiction of the law? Are believers, let me put it that way, are believers under the jurisdiction of the Old Testament, Old Covenant law? It's not a, it's not a trick question. Are we? Are we under the jurisdiction of the Old Covenant law? 
No. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Thank God, no. Now I've asked that question of I don't know how many churches in the, in the U.S. I, I don't know how many. But I've asked that question in a bunch of them. And I watched this happen in their, in their minds. When I first asked them, are Christians or believers under the jurisdiction of the Old Testament, Old Covenant law? They, they began to think, let's see, I, I don't want to do anything to disrespect the law. Jesus called it good. I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to get on God's bad side by thinking I don't. But, now listen, folks. This is one of the most clearly answered questions in the Scripture. <laughs> I mean, it's abundantly clear. All you got to, well, you read Romans and then read Hebrews. It's abundantly clear that we are not under the jurisdiction of the Old Testament law. As a matter of fact, that law passed away from us. It, it's still there. But it's not there for you. It's not there for you. It's still doing what it's always done, which is make people feel helpless and trying to keep it. <laughs> so come to a place of helplessness, you might reach out for a savior. That's what it's always been there to do. So I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying you're not under the jurisdiction of the law. No. You're not. Let me read you a passage of scripture. Chapter 7, verse 1, Romans. Now listen to this. Or do you not know, brethren, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lived? You need to remember that if you're going to love law. For the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he's living. But if her husband dies, she's released from, from the law concerning the husband. So then if while her husband is living, she's joined to another man, she, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from the law, so that she's not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the spirit and not, not in oldness of the letter. Now he's using this illustration, Paul is, of marriage in the Old Testament, under the, old, under the law, what marriage was like under the law. And that's, that's what it's like, what, what you just read. So he's using that as an illustration. Here's, here's the way it goes. He said, mankind was married to the law. That was the only way to relate to God. There wasn't any other way. Through law and law keeping. So, mankind was married to the law. Frankly, this, this, <laughs> this husband is not a very good husband. He, all he can do is show you where you're wrong. Also show you where you're right, show you where you're wrong, and always show you where you're lacking. Because he sets a standard that's impossible for a human being to keep. It's not just hard. It's impossible. It's impossible. You can't keep the fullness of the law. 
There's 630-some laws. And present-day people, ever since the time of Jesus, have added to it. So there's more than that now. I mean, you know, in most people's thinking. You can't keep it. Any of you want to volunteer to give it a try? We'll give it a 30-day trial and see how you do. You're not, going to, you're not going to get out the door out there hardly before. <laughs> not only should you not uh, literally break one of the laws, don't even think about it. So, pretty dismal situation. You're married to this guy who shows you where you're wrong, but never lifts a finger to help you do that which is right. Matter of fact, he does not have the capacity to do that. He can't help you do that which is right. All he has the power to do is show you the standard. Now, one infuriating thing about this guy is that he is always right. You know he's right, and he knows he's right, and everybody else knows he's right. So, I got some bad news. You're married to this fault-finding, overbearing, critical husband for as long as you both shall live. And Jesus said the law is never going to pass away. <sighs> okay, you want me to leave you there? And not get to the rest? Well, that's what people have done. They've left you there. They've left you there. They've left you having a relationship with the law. And God never intended after Christ for you to have any relationship to the law at all. You want me to leave you there? That miserable state? Well, of course not. Of course not. Here's where Paul turns the tables on this whole thing. He said, you are married for as long as you both shall live. And the law is never going to pass away. But there is another way out of this awful relationship. This death relationship. There's another way out of it. He's not ever going to die. But you can die. <laughs> and by now you kind of feel like it. You know. <clears throat> now... Like Martha, I mean, she has the burden of living with someone that's always right, too. I mean, but, but I really am. You, know. you can die and get out of this relationship. Matter of fact, that's what you did when you believed. You were buried with Christ through baptism into death, like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. And so you've been raised to walk in newness of life. You were joined together with him in his death and joined together with him in his resurrection. You did die and you were raised a new person. That's what happened to you. You died to the law. And then what happened? It says you were joined to another. Who's that? Christ, of course, Jesus. You died to the law and you were joined to another, meaning you came into a relationship with him. Now this is, this is something that I've observed over a lot of years. That for, for most Christians, believers, going through life and dealing with the bios everywhere and the difficulties of that and the challenges of that, spiritually speaking, most of the time they're just kind of up and down. You know, have a good experience or good church or good something. And I feel, 
I feel good. I, okay, my faith is built. I can go on now. I can, you know, and then a couple of weeks later, it's down, you know, just up and down the way you feel spiritually. But I think you have a bigger problem or a different problem. It's not that you're up and down spiritually, really, is that you're moving from husband to husband. I mean, one day, you relate to God through His love, His grace, you feel loved, you feel good. God, you know, I, I, I feel good, I feel good. And the next day, you feel bad because you did something wrong or, or, or something like that happens and now you're under it again. And see, that's... <laughs> you're moving from husband to husband. You have some insane thought that having a good relationship with your old husband will please your new one. Try that in the world and see how it works. Jesus is not at least bit impressed with your desire or your, or your attempts to go back into law keeping. He wants no part of it and he doesn't want you to have any part of it. You know, I've heard it said before. As a matter of fact, I think I've heard this message and might have preached it myself in the old days. I don't know. I don't think so, but I've heard it spoken about that love of the world is not only enmity toward God, which that statement is in Scripture, but it's also spiritual adultery against God. If you love the world, you're committing spiritual adultery against God. I don't think that's true. Let me tell you what's spiritual adultery against God. It's not your love of the world. It's your love of the law. Anybody that moves from husband to husband, that's what spiritual adultery is. So, Verse 6 says that we have been released from that to which we were bound and joined to another. For what purpose? That we might bear fruit for God. Under the old law, under the law, you are not a fruit bearer. You cannot bear fruit under the law. You don't have the fruit being born under the law. There is no fruit. See, the law is really an impotent husband. He does not have the power to impart life. Jesus does. Difference in death, Adam, life, Jesus. Everything's alive in Jesus. Everything's alive. Everything's multiplying. Everything's growing. Everything's, everything's green. Everything's life, zoe, life, spiritual life, eternal life. Life forever and ever and ever. And it is better than any of you can imagine. Ever. That's the truth of you sitting there right now. <laughs> life. Let me tell you something to squash that life in you will be your attempt again to go back to the law and law keeping and performance and duty instead of walking in love and coming to rest. Makes you happy. Doesn't make you sin more. Makes you happy. So, let me give you an assignment. Let me give you something to do. (laughs) 
Spend your days and your times with God filled with gratitude at His abundance of grace and receive it. Always. No matter the circumstance, no matter what's happened, no matter what will happen, always receive His love, receive His grace, receive His kindness, receive His assurances that this is the way things are in His kingdom. This is the way He is in the kingdom. He is filled with grace and truth. That's who He is. Thank you.